Hello and welcome to Fueling the Transition, the podcast series from AFRI Management Consulting, where we're considering uh, everything to do with digitalization, decarbonization and decentralization and what that means for our energy transition. My name is Matt Brown. I am Vice President in AFRI Management Consulting and I focus mostly on the energy sector. I think what's really important when thinking about this topic of decarbonization in energy is to also think about end users, the industrial companies that are using energy, not only the utilities, for instance. So I'm very pleased today that we have with us René Stadler from Mondi, who is the group energy manager. And we're going to talk a little bit about energy strategy from the point of view of a large industrial, a big energy user. So I think that'd be very interesting and uh, welcome, René. Thank you very much for having me here. Excellent. And uh, also we've got uh, my colleague, Benedict Unger, who is a principal consultant in our management consulting practice. Hello, Benedict. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. For those who don't know so much about Mondi, then perhaps just a few words and René, you can uh, you can fill us in a little bit on what the company does. But Mondi is a, a global packaging and paper company. It has operations in 30 countries across the world. It's a big energy user in its operations as well. And the vision or really of Mondi is around making packaging sustainable by design. So sustainability is right at the heart of everything that, that Mondi's thinking about here. Uh, is that a fair is that a fair assessment, Rene? Is there anything else you'd like to say about Mondi? Yes, very much. I think uh, to say something more about the sustainability by design, what we mean, this is our eco-solution approach. It should help the customers to find the right sustainable solutions. It begins with lightweight paper bags and fully recyclable, flexible plastic pouches. Excellent. And, but, you know, operations in, in lots of places. And a lot of your energy needs, you sort of take care of yourself uh, in terms of using byproducts of the process for the heat that you need for the processes, for the electricity you need for the processes. But also there's a fair amount of natural gas demand uh, that's in there as well, where those byproducts aren't available. Um, you, what sort of split do you have these days of how much is uh, is you know self sort of the the byproduct self sustaining and uh, how much is uh, in terms of natural gas your energy requirements? Overall, it's above sixty percent is our let's say biogenic um, input as you mentioned. Um, still uh, producing pulp and paper and packaging is still a very en energy intensive process but we're so lucky that we can use our byproducts like you mentioned it um, to produce part of our energy need and um, from these biogenic uh, renewable sources um, that brings us to the point where from the electricity point of view um, we are above 100 percent of self-sufficiency that means we produce more electricity than we actually consume and more than um, 60 percent out of that is produced from biogenic that means renewable sources okay and do you have your own facilities your own you know combined heat and power facilities on site yes especially in our um, paper pulp and paper mills since they are 
pretty much at places where there is a lot of wood and a lot of water. That means they're not having um, that of a good access to to the energy sources. So that means the steam and the electricity needed by our paper production, even from history, was mainly produced by our own facilities. I suppose in uh, in the packaging and uh, paper business, it depends on on location. Of course, the you know the operations, forest operations, might be quite remote, and it's a question of whether one's transporting the biomass, the wood product, uh, to a facility, or are you putting a facility close to the forest? I guess, um, and that determines a little bit what's available for uh, for you in energy terms. Yes, and that gives us not just um, and good access to let's say these byproducts, but also to the other um, biomass. It gives us good good access to sustainably managed forests. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But whereas packaging operations, I assume, because uh, cardboard would take a lot of space and um, to transport it around, I guess the packaging is more local to 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 where the packaging is needed. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. And um, in the packaging business, it's mainly converting the paper that is produced in the paper mills into packaging solutions. So that means. They usually don't have uh, on-site electricity production. And I guess with um, the current situation ongoing, then packaging, demand for packaging has been very high. A lot of people having deliveries at home as well. Yes, exactly. So then, you know, that explains a little bit about the energy demand and supply uh, that Mondi has. And, and as I say, working in many countries around the world, I should imagine, makes your job uh, more complex understanding, lots of different energy markets as well. So maybe turning to uh, your energy strategy that you've been working on, uh, what what are the sort of main aims for your energy strategy? And then beyond that, how how is progress going? The, the baseline for the energy strategy is the compliance, especially the compliance with um, mainly local laws and regulations, especially in the European Union. But then the energy strategy is also built on two pillars. Uh, number one is to minimize environmental effects, like, for example, reducing the carbon emissions. And the number two pillar is to minimize the energy costs and losses. And oh yeah, on those two pillars, the energy strategy is built on basically. Yeah. And, and how are you doing? Where would you say Mondi is? We have a draft for a new energy strategy. I mean, we had an existing energy strategy before. And since one year, um, I took over this position of the energy manager. And since then, I'm developing this new energy strategy that's pretty much looking at all developments on the markets on the energy markets and looking also at the um, risk and opportunities, especially looking at our strengths that we're having and also going into deeper into looking at the possibilities, renewable sourcing, all of these type of topics. Yeah. Okay. And then in terms of being a, a large energy consumer, uh, do you think the, the markets you're dealing with, is there anything missing? From the marketplace, is it easy to uh, to get what you need, I guess, from from the suppliers that are out there? Thank you for this question. I think there are two things where I'm a little bit, where I'm missing something. Uh, number one, it's on the electricity market. And what I'm missing is 
to have access to the flexibility market. I'm very sure that the electricity market, especially now, since all these changes are happening, let's say fluctuating renewables are growing, there will be a bigger demand for flexibility. And we as an industry, we have from the demand side some potential to deliver this flexibility. And what I'm missing is to have access to this flexibility market with our flexibility. Okay, interesting. And some of those, I, I think some of those flexibility markets are you know, a, a developing over time as well. Uh, not all in place yet, but it's it's not it's not something where even where they're established, you're you're you feel that you're engaged with fully in terms of what you can offer and what you can deliver. Yes, and exactly, and I also have somehow the feeling that I mean some of these markets are developing, especially let's say the regulated markets, but it's also based on the fact that these markets need to develop. There needs to be a clear demand for this and um, also some pricing mechanism that and I think both of them still need to be developed okay right so uh, Benedict anything to, to add in terms of you know energy a large energy customer on that point what Rene says is something that we hear relatively often in recent uh, in recent in the recent time I'd say so we've you know in a work with with industrial companies in the work on electrification work on uh, hydrogen production, these, these relatively new topics. We work with industrial companies and, and, uh, and for them, it's often a struggle to get fully to grips with how the energy markets work and what's available. But then at the same time, it's also not straightforward for the energy companies, generators, network companies, and even then the, the policy, the regulation side or on the energy side to understand what the industrial companies really need. So the common denominator with problems in that area is that the sectors need to learn to speak to each other. So because both of them have a, very, a fairly technical understanding of what it is they're doing, but in the end, it's all about efficiency. It's all about profitability. So if if we can get, and you know, we hope that we can help both sides in this to find that common way of talking and thinking about what's necessary that's what's needed and it's a theme that does come up a lot for us in terms of you know the future as we move to greater and greater levels of renewables is that the system will need flexibility from from wherever it can get it and especially from from the customer side and from the demand side so it's perhaps a little bit uh it's a you know maybe we're we're, we're not so far along the journey, but it's still a little bit worrying that um, that that's your ex you know been the experience. So uh, I'm sure uh, those listening to the podcast who are you know in uh, in the sort of business where they could engage on flexibility provision will be getting in touch straight away. Uh, Rene, let's hope so. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So then, uh, Benedict, in terms of industrial company, uh, where do you start from when you're developing an energy strategy? Yeah. So I think the first um, step always is look at the strengths that the company has. So what is the company doing? What, um, what, what's its business? What are its values? What's the company's vision? And identify where the company stands in terms of its energy goals. 
So that's not specific to the way we think about energy strategy. It's just, I think it's just a general framework. Where we then come in is the next step. So an energy strategy needs to be robust when considering a number of key changes in the energy marketplace. So the external starting point for the energy strategy would be trends, mega trends in the energy sector going forward. Electrification, fuel switching, energy efficiency, just, um, just to name a few. And once we establish these trends, we can identify like a canvas of strategic activities specific to energy for the industrial company to consider. And then you go back to the, to the company's strengths, its values, its vision, and develop a framework to identify the common themes on the canvas of strategic themes and opportunities. And you try to determine the strategic direction, the energy strategic direction, if you want, in that way. So that's, that's how we would start doing that. Okay. And, and, and Rene, what's, uh, what would you say is the most important thing from your point of view to take account uh, of when developing an, uh, an energy strategy? I think it's also very important um, to have the full picture. First of all, also to look at um, that there are many stakeholders with different needs and expectations. I mean, number one, there is the business that looks at rising energy costs. Uh, number two is customers that also have their sustainability criteria going up the supply chain. With regulations, with higher taxes, levies, CO2 issues, we have shareholders. They also have their sustainability criterias. And even at the end, we have uh, the finance that also looks at the share of renewables and things like that. And in parallel, then we have um, a lot of changes that the strategy needs to deal with. Let's say like recently, um, because of COVID-19, nobody would have expected this demand reduction because of that, especially on the fossils and oil and coal. And I think um, it's important that the strategy can look at this whole picture. And then, you know, in terms of um, in terms of the energy strategy you've come up with, and and sort of looking at the the measures that you've put in place, do you have a set of, of KPIs? Are you using a set of KPIs? To, uh, to measure progress over time? And uh, if so, what are they? Uh, the KPIs match the two pillars that I mentioned before. Um, there are financial KPIs looking at the specific energy cost. And there are also environmental KPIs, especially in the fields of energy, looking at the share of renewable and also the decarbonization. Okay, so you haven't gone for a you haven't gone for a say a um, you know a, a, a CO two reduction target or something like that. Oh yes, we did. Um, actually, Mondi. I mean, we even looking back to a successful history of um, CO two cutting. So we reduced thirty nine percent of our uh, CO two footprint since two thousand four. And we, we have also committed to um, a target to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions by 34% by 2025 compared to a baseline in the year 2014. Ah, okay. And then looking forward, are you, do you think you'll be looking to a sort of net zero position at some point or is that further in the future? To be honest, I think the net zero discussion you have still to look at some physical facts. 
that means that we, um, first of all, we look at all the CO2 reduction possibilities that we have within um, efficiency. Like I said before, we have a good access to, to biomass, to renewable sources. So even if you lift all these possibilities, I think there will be still some parts of CO2 being in the process. So I think it's also on the long run to look at carbon storage and carbon capture solutions. And do you consider things like um, carbon offsets? And, you know, I think we've just last year, we did a webinar on voluntary carbon offset markets, which are growing. Is that something you would consider? Or do you want to do more physical things, you know, in terms of the, the facilities you have? I think um, the priorities are quite clear. It starts with lifting our energy efficiency potential, going into the renewable to increase our share of renewables and to have an on-site renewable production increased. And then looking even at the market, at the possibilities um, that come out of PPAs, of these power purchase agreements to receive directly renewable energy. And so the corporate PPA market is interesting to you? I think it's a very interesting, let's say, still upcoming market. I think it's going to be an interesting time when uh, some renewables will leave the subsidy systems or have to leave the subsidy systems because they run out and when they will face the market and a lot of PPAs will be available on the market. So as a customer, it's this. I'm looking forward to this Time. Benedict, is, is there anything um, when look, developing an energy strategy you think that companies miss? So not necessarily miss, but I think what energy comp- what energy intensive industrial companies are going to have to face is the fact that they will have to become more like or will have to become energy companies. So when energy markets in the past have mostly been not really linked with with the use it with the using sectors so if if i'm an if i'm a paper producer i'm after purchasing my energy part of that is from from biosources but part of that is from fossil sources and that's pretty much it but when the market is becoming more complex meaning there is a greater diversity in terms of the fuels the electricity market for example wants more flexibility from you as a as a consumer then the market is becoming more challenging to understand, more complex in general. So when that happens, the companies who will, in that complexity, just react to changes are risking to be left behind. And an example I think is quite good, you, you, you already mentioned certificate trading and PPAs, both of which could be markets where at the moment there is a bit of an oversupply or, or a lack of activity still in that you know if you want certificates now it's it might be easy to get them or that there might be you might have some relationships in, ships in place ways to get them but in the future if markets change then companies who haven't thought about that fact are risking to be you know to face higher costs and to face not being able to meet uh, the energy needs that they have in the same way is there anything else on the you know Mondi's energy strategy in terms of uh, you know the, the measurement of success, Benedict, that you would add? Yeah, I think going back to it's it's going back to the company's strengths, going back to the to the company's activities. So as Rene says, um, when when a company already relies a lot on 
its own production to source its energy needs, and that's sort of a um, an integrated system, then it makes sense for these KPIs that you talked about to be integrated in the in the whole company strategy. So an energy strategy and a corporate strategy become more interlinked because if you're looking at making a profit from producing paper, a big part of the cost of making that paper is linked to sourcing the energy. And not just the cost, even the revenue, because if at Mondi you have 110% or over 100% of electricity, of your electricity need met by yourself, you're talking about being an energy supplier as well, energy generator. So you are, in, in to some extent, an energy company already. And so the, the corporate strategy and the energy strategy have to be pulled together. Has that, has that happened yet at Mondi, Rene, or is that um, something that's ongoing? Yes, uh, very much. That was also the what the energy strategy was built on to follow um, the corporate strategy. And it's I can even link it to two pillars. I mean, we have, um, number one, sustainability by design, as we mentioned before, that we have um, the sentence that we contribute to a better world uh, as Mondi, and the energy strategy is showing the plan how we can achieve our sustainability targets. And another pillar of our strategy is that we drive growth sustainable. And here also the energy strategy shows the path how to get more energy efficient. And are there are there opportunities still? I mean, I I'm conscious we've helped with some operational excellence projects at some of the facilities as as AFRI in the past. Are there opportunities for further improvements? Do you think in in efficiency and and I'm sort of wondering whether AI machine learning, which is obviously a very current topic, whether that's something that that could help in future? I mean, one, one problem that we face is that um, as an energy intensive industry, we took care of energy efficiency already a long time. And the, the problem that comes with this, that uh, let's say the low hanging fruits already collected. So those measures that were obviously easy to find, we have those measures Im- implemented. But still, there is a lot of room to improve. Um, we still have a lot of potentials. Um, we have the possibility of in what we use is um, an internal knowledge sharing platform where our energy manager also energy managers exchange on their experience on implementing energy efficiency projects. In a lot of our sites, we have external audits where we also get external input. We use a lot of benchmarking. So there is still a lot of room to improve in this field, especially for an energy manager like me. And uh, Benedict, I'm just wondering, do you think that every company, every industrial company needs an energy strategy? I do believe that, especially for those companies where energy cost is a large part of the overall cost structure, it makes sense for, for energy to take a central role in corporate strategy because it's just common sense that when you have KPIs to do with your profitability or to you know to help you achieve your the profitability that a big factor of that profitability is managed in a in a proper way and there are like we found with when working with Mondi so many opportunities for energy intensive industrial companies 
to benefit from these from these trends, including corporate PPA, but also including investing in you know even generation, investing in flexibility, investing in conversion. So there's and storage. There are ample opportunities to do that. And if a company is already spends a lot of time thinking about their in meeting their energy needs, there are opportunities to just integrate that even more and and profit from it. Yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting one, you know, in terms of corporate strategy. Often, and I guess it will depend on how big a percentage energy cost is of the overall operating cost. But often, I think companies they you know would say they want to stick to the knitting, uh, and by that I mean that they they want to stick with what they're excellent at. Uh, and of course, in Mondi's case, that will be making the best packaging and paper. And it's always a, always a question, you know, should it be a, an aggregator that's coming in and working with you to, to be able to, to, to make the best of it? How far does Mondi, for instance, go in terms of you know, getting involved in the energy markets? What, what should one focus on? So I think there's always that, always that slight tension as well in terms of how far, how far one should go. Absolutely. And you speak to the collaboration between uh, you know, within an industry and even across industries. And that's that's a very good point. It doesn't need to be the company itself that does all these things, but there needs to be a platform for companies to to be able to do that. Yeah. Rene, is there is there much collaboration between industrial companies in different sectors when thinking about energy? Yes, there are a lot of very good collaborations existing across the industries, especially on local or regional level. But the possibility of collaboration is sometimes hindered by regulations. For example, the rules for local grid operators are very strict and the potential for collaboration is limited within these distribution grids. For example, we wanted to go one step further than a classic PPA with a wind park. With our renewable-based flexibility, we wanted to support a wind park to balance their production. The idea was to exchange energy in both directions instead of simply have energy flow in one direction. The regulations, especially the current pricing for grid services, the network cost, have turned the profitability of this model into a negative. My hope is in the renewable energy communities. If they are allowed to develop new collaboration models, I'm very sure that this will lead to new ideas and that can solve the problems with lower cost impact for all of us. But the regulations need to adapt. So around the around the direction of, of policy and regulation, and therefore the, I guess the you know the the energy strategy is linked to a certain extent with not only what's already happening, but also what would be best for for the industry in terms of maximizing the you know the potential for sustainability as well yes exactly okay and then Rene, what would you like to see happen in uh, in the energy industry in the next three to five years i think it's like benedict said before i would wish for a stronger collaboration especially between energy suppliers and industrial customers and i would have this wish specifically not just on the flexibility demand. Like I said before, I really believe that there will be an increasing demand for flexibility because of the growth of fluctuating renewable um, renewables like solar and wind. And on the other hand, the industry can offer solutions with demand management. But on the other hand, I would also like to see a stronger collaboration and it is on efficiency. 
a supplier has access to a lot of already implemented energy efficiency projects that have been done somewhere else. And he could provide me with this information, with benchmarks, good examples. And this, this information is highly needed by us energy managers. And it's difficult to share between industrial companies because of your competitive position. So it has to be sort of uh, sanitized to a certain extent and then uh, and, and taken, taken on by someone else. Exactly. And I think an energy supplier can easily take this neutral role and he has also access to this information because he gets this from other customers. Yeah, okay. Benedict, anything you'd add? Yeah, it's also, I think, on the, on the policy side, it needs to be policymakers are always looking to incentivize, let's say, the both the energy side and the industrial side to reduce their emissions, reduce their energy use. So there should be there should be not just incentives to reduce, but also incentives to learn from each other. Because as René says, there is a a wealth of uh, of knowledge in terms of how to reduce energy costs, how to reduce energy intensity out there. And and especially knowledge of how to how to do these things that the that is in the industry and the energy side would you know obviously benefits from from that knowledge but it's it's difficult to uh, to do so if if a policymaker comes in and meaning well puts new restrictions on a certain type of activity on on, on certain types of emissions or even on an energy intensity there could be just adverse effects where where you mandate something that somebody might have already done or might have some knowledge on and it just it goes against what's needed which is incentivization for collaboration if you if you put policies in place that actually hinder that collaboration which i think we might have seen to some extent uh, it's difficult to make that really happen and then you get to a situation where it's actually where, where energy efficiency Carbon emissions are stagnating rather than improving over time. So, Rene, on the you know picking up on uh, the point of collaboration in general, how was the collaboration uh, with AFRI on this occasion? It was great. AFRI gave me the access also to get the holistic picture of what's happening on the energy markets. Uh, that way, I was able to check if what I looked at is the complete picture and. We were able to look together at every possibility and um, there is. And for me, it was an eye-opener also to get this picture in such a uh, structured way as it was delivered by, by Afri. Benedict, how is it from your side? Yeah, I think I, for us, it was encouraging to work with, a, with an energy manager or with a company that's as active in and, 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 and thoughtful about this. I'm, I must say this, this is also maybe a trend in the energy industry or maybe, maybe in, in the industrial industry energy intensive industrial sector is that that people like René start to really make an impact and really think about these things and therefore in, encourage others to do the same because that way we get the discussion going the collaboration going between energy and the non-energy sectors and and get to a point of better understanding so if, if an energy specialist in a paper company or as an energy specialist in a paper company, Rene, you are well placed to lead that discussion from your side. So if more people do that and, and further that understanding, that that's great. That's where it needs to go. Good. And then 
Rene, what, um, just finally, what are the next steps for you at Mondi? Well, now all these opportunities mentioned need to be broken down into projects that can be realized and deliver what they promised. And this project list needs to regularly be updated. And also, let's say the processes need to be implemented to be able to check this whole development. Wonderful. Well, I wish you very well and good luck with the, with those next steps and uh, the implementation. And I say uh, thank you very much for, for joining us, uh, Rene. Thank you very much for the invitation. And uh, thank you, Benedict, also. Thanks very much. And thank you all for listening as well. I hope you're enjoying this podcast series, Fueling the Transition. Please be sure to subscribe for future episodes. Thank you. Bye-bye.